0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 When was the last time you felt afraid? I mean, really afraid. There are as many kinds of ghosts in this world as there are living beings. Some simply appear. Some try to help or communicate with us. And others mean us harm. Encounters with the supernatural are not random, chaotic experiences. They are all too real. But do not be afraid. I am here to guide you through the spaces where the living meet the dead. A sailor swinging from a noose on the post of a bed in the third floor bedroom. The dying gasp of a young woman sickened by pneumonia. An ancient crypt below the foundation accidentally unearthed and then hastily sealed by terrified workmen. Visitors feel a bone-chilling cold when they cross the threshold. Savannah's most famous haunted house, the only one known to have not had an exorcism. Behind it is the garden wall studded with old glass chards of bottles on top of the handmade brick to discourage intruders. The home is one of a handful of structures to have survived the 1820 fire. In 36 hours of horror, 463 homes were consumed in a firestorm. The building occupies a site in what was formerly the East Common of Savannah, laid out in 1790. The Hampton Lilybridge House was originally located on Bryan Street, two blocks west of its present location. The building has been home to several owners. At one time, it was purported to be a house of ill repute. Hampton Lilybridge, a well-to-do planter from Newport, Rhode Island, bought the lots in 1796. He built two houses soon after. His will mentions the houses. The structures were unique in Savannah in that the Gamble roof is essentially a New England form of architecture. Lilybridge incorporated his boyhood memories into the townhouse, which he used when in Savannah, conducting business at the port. This is the real McCoy. Researchers have included genuine psychic phenomena are indeed taking place. Renowned paranormal researcher, Hans Holzer, confirmed numerous unearthly presences in the house and included the house on St. Julian Street in his book, The Phantoms of Dixie. The American Psychic Research Institute sent William Roll to conduct a thorough investigation of the phenomena. He interviewed 30 people who had witnessed the occurrences. He concluded that genuine paranormal activity is in the house. Sybil Leek described sensing a woman with children in the house, and three different psychics have said they sensed a feminine presence. Eugenia Price, researching for her book Lighthouse, Said that the main character stayed in the house and died of pneumonia in the bedroom. It has known numerous owners and stood vacant until Jim Williams bought it in 1963. Jim was central to the house's restoration and preservation and had been at the forefront of the heroic efforts to salvage historic but dilapidated structures, helping make the historic district the second largest landmark district in the nation. Jim Williams is the only person to be tried four times for the same murder. He was found not guilty at his final trial. The 1994 release of John Barrett's true crime book, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, and the subsequent movie by Clint Eastwood in 1997, gave Savannah a worldwide lurid appeal. As long as there are those with a taste for the macabre, the bizarre, and the supernatural, Savannah is unlikely to lose that appeal. Portrayed by Kevin Spacey, Jim Williams was good-looking, bright, well-read, and enjoyed the company of people. When he entered a room, you knew he was there. The longest-running book on the New York Times bestseller list until Dan Brown wrote the Da Vinci Code, readers couldn't get enough of the endless parade of eccentric personalities, all real Savannah residents. The salacious tale, interwoven with breathtaking imagery of the isolated coastal town, did more to boost tourism than anything prior. The workers hired to do the grunt work would hear voices and the sound of footsteps when the house was empty. There is also a three-piece band that is heard playing in the house. The doctor and his wife, who live there now, have heard the band, and it plays Dixieland jazz. We know of at least three deaths in the house. A sailor hung himself from a four-poster bed on the top floor, and another sailor was killed with a knife during a card game on the second floor. Upon Hampton Lilybridge's death, his widow, sold the house to James Gould, whose life inspired the novelist Eugenia Price for her family trilogy, Lighthouse. Mrs. Jane Harris Gould had come to Savannah from St. Simon's Island for medical care. She had to flee the fire of 1820 on a cold January night and contracted pneumonia and died in the house. She was dead before her husband arrived from St. Simon's and is buried in Colonial Cemetery. After the devastation of the fire, hurricane, and yellow fever epidemic of 1820, the house changed hands and became a boarding house, and sailors from all over the world stayed in its room with a few who seemed to have never left. Like all old houses, the building is known its share of violence. From the time restoration work began in its new location, strange happenings were reported. The workers talked among themselves of unusual noises, voices, footsteps, and the feelings of others present in the house. Sometimes the unexplained events drove them out of the house into the street. Williams said half the time they were listening for noises instead of working. Neighbors would report hearing a woman's screams and a man in a suit staring out of the window. In 1965, an exorcism was performed, but it was still impossible for Williams to keep help in the unattended house. Today, the Hampton Lilybridge House remains a residence. Therefore, any paranormal sightings must be seen from the beautiful tabby pavement outside the house. One night, neighbors reported being awakened by the sound of a woman singing. A party seemed to be in progress on the top floor, and they saw lights and dancing figures. Later, when they commented about the festivities, they were told the house had been empty. Jim told his neighbors he had been out of town on that night in question. One evening, Jim and several friends were walking through the vacant house on the ground floor when they were surprised to hear what sounded like workmen moving around on the floor above them. They climbed each story of the stairs looking for the source of the noise. but found no one. Finally, standing on the widow walk on the roof, they realized the sounds were now below them in the empty rooms through which they had just passed. <sighs> Upon moving in the house, Jim was awakened the first night in his bedroom by the sound of someone walking on broken glass or sand around his bed. When he asked, who is there, he heard footsteps rush out of the room and down the hall. Jim jumped out of bed and ran into the hallway to see the door at the other end close. He ran to the door, but it was locked. He finally found a key and the room was empty and shut up tight from the inside. Williams later recalled that he had a difficult time keeping housekeepers. One rainy afternoon, he came home to find a maid standing in the driveway, afraid to be in the house alone. She complained of feeling of presence in the house and the sounds of chains rattling on the parlor level. It became a regular occurrence for Jim to call the police because of the feeling of someone in the house. He would have them walk through and after examining the residence, they never accounted a thing. One afternoon, Jim opened the door and a police captain was there to inform him that due to the numerous calls made by Mr. Williams to this address, the chief of police had decided to start sending a bill the next time they were called out on a false alarm. As the captain was explaining the chief's wishes, the organ started playing very loud. Jim looked at the officer and said, Captain, I am here alone, and I don't own a player organ. Both men walked into the parlor and watched as the keys on the organ were being played by who knows whom. That is when people started to take Jim seriously. Uh Williams related an incident that he had wondered about after the paranormal activity began to occur. While working on the foundation at St. Julian Street to prepare for placement of the structure on the lot, an old crypt was found, half filled with water. The workmen said it was empty, except for fragments of cloth and bone. They covered it up quickly for fear of disturbing the dead. In the immigrant sections, People couldn't afford burial lots, so Jim believed they interred bodies over and over in this vault, and that is why the house is so haunted. William said, I will always be sorry I didn't investigate it myself. I was leaving for London, as they found it, and I couldn't take time to inspect it. By the time I got back, it was covered up again, and now I will never know. Why would somebody be buried under a house? Maybe foul play, suicide. Something like that could definitely cause specters to linger. The activity became so bad that Jim had an Episcopal bishop from Atlanta, Georgia come down and perform an exorcism on the house. On December 7th, 1965, an exorcism was performed by the Reverend Al Stewart, the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Georgia. The 45 minute Church of England ceremony took place in the partially completed living room and ended with a blessing on the house. Jim accompanied the priest as he spread the holy water throughout the house. Either the exorcism had some effect or what was there is dormant for the time being. A very low level energy is still present and it does not seem malicious. Different people have contrasting auras, and their energy interacts with whatever is in the house. Whatever is there did not accept Jim Williams or the house being moved, but is now at peace. The present owners are only interested in serious research and do not desire any publicity of the sensational type. They bought the house because of its unique design and location in the historic district. They moved in with the desire to make it a comfortable home and make peace with any disturbances which might be there. The house in St. Julian sold last month, October of this year, for $1.5 million. It had been on the market originally asking $2.9 million, a precipitous drop and it took 10 years to sell. It is in excellent condition and situated in a prime location of the historic district. The notoriety and ongoing paranormal activity must have had something to do with the fact that it sold for half the market value. Many unusual things have happened over the years, but the strangest thing happened before they moved in. The owners locked up the house one morning. All the windows were locked shut. The only items in the house were in the storage area on the ground floor. They locked with a combination padlock. They locked the front door with a deadbolt. When they returned that afternoon, all of the windows were wide open and the front door was unlocked as well as the combination lock on the storage area. The front door had been pried open from the inside. It was as if someone was showing them that they were still there. The owners say it seems like the presence can't resist showing that it is still in the house. One night when alone in the house, they heard the music, the jazz others had spoken about. It was more than just a few instruments. It started very softly from somewhere on the top floor, then got much louder. They didn't want to hear more. They were out of there. The strange occurrences may be due to the fact the house was moved from its original location on Bryan Street to its present location on St. Julian Street. The house survived the four-block ride rather well. Next door on Bryan was a twin structure. In moving them, the other house collapsed and a workman was killed. Jim said he felt it was a bad omen. The death really shook Jim up and he spent extra time reinforcing the structure before it was being moved. Jim had to go to London on a buying trip and while he was out of town, he had two young men who lived across the street oversee the work that was being performed. Electricians and plumbers were hooking up the infrastructure of the residents. The building sat on timbers after the move, and the brick masonry had not been replaced, so there were no chimneys, just open holes where the fireplaces should have been. The men were enjoying a quiet Sunday at home when they heard the sound of jazz music coming from the structure. They approached the house and could distinctly hear jazz music. There were no stairs, just a trapdoor with a padlock. They unlocked the hatch, set up a ladder, and climbed into the parlor level. Each went looking for what they thought would be a radio that may have been left on by one of the workers. They searched the first floor, then walked upstairs, but couldn't find the source of the music. As one waited, the other went to the top floor to investigate. He said the music stopped, so he waited for his friend to come back down from the top floor, but he never came. He walked up the stairs to find him face down on the floor with his fingernails dug into the floorboards. He helped the man to his feet, walked him downstairs. He was visibly shaken and white as a sheet. After throwing water in his face to make him coherent, he recounted the following incident. He said that when he walked upstairs, it felt like he had walked into a cool pool of water. It got quite cold. And in his mind, a sinister force tried to drag him down the open shaft of the chimney. So he threw himself to the floor and held on for dear life until his friend rescued him. He climbed down the ladder, locked the hatch, and as they were walking back to their cottage across the street, the sound of jazz drifted from the direction of the house. Where the Living Meet the Dead was written and hosted by Robert Edgeley and produced by Mark Francis. To buy Robert's book or get more information on his hauntings tour of Savannah, please go to savannahghostlytours.com. That's savannahghostlytours.com. Journey back in time with monsters, sharks, and dinosaurs as we venture into Jurassic Park, where dinosaurs roam the earth once again. This week, we're exploring the science and the fiction behind the groundbreaking film that brought prehistoric creatures back to life. Follow Monsters, Sharks, and Dinosaurs on your favorite podcast platform, and don't miss an episode of our prehistoric exploration. It's a walk with the dinosaurs that promises to be anything but extinct. This week on Romance Weekly, get ready for a ghostly giggle with Alex as he embarks on a hilarious quest to win back Sophie's heart after a prank goes hilariously wrong. From sending ghost orchids to organizing a spectral flash mob, watch as his efforts to spook her into love lead to laugh-out-loud moments and awkward encounters, including a friend's failed attempt to scare dressed as a less-than-terrifying ghost. Will Alex's grand gestures exercise their past troubles, or will they just add to the haunted hilarity? Tune in to find out if true love can survive a real ghost of a chance. Follow Romance Weekly, wherever you get your shows for this spooky, kooky tale of love and laughter.